Steaming boar was giving off a truly great smell. Rolf imagined it to be like that in Valhall. Over 50 men were sitting around the fire pit. Halad, Heimir and Rolf's friends were among them. The others were Picts. Their necks were adorned with gold necklaces and their defined arms were covered in strange patterns of blue color. The same morning the Northmen had crossed the sea to the south. They entered the mouth of a river called Torsa, which means Thor's river. The people of Orkneyinga had seen many powerful storms arising in these lands and attributed them to the Lord of Thunder. Jarl Sigurd's wife, Grelaut, had described Halad and Rolf the path to the place she believed her husband had to be. They only had to follow the river upstream until it split in two then look out for a near forest. Under those trees, the Jarl wanted to meet this mysterious man, Thorstein the Red. But first, they had to please the clan that lived in those lands. They were called the People of Cave. Their main settlement was conveniently placed next to the mouth of the river Thorsa. The village was encircled with a plain earth wall and wooden palisades. Several roundhouses built out of flat stone were placed around the communal center. Rolf did not know much about the Picts. Their culture once had spanned to Orkney and Shetland. Remains of magnificent tall towers and engraved standing stones were still around. Although the cave were peaceful towards the Norse, they wanted some form of payment to enter their territory. Rolf and his friends had already prepared for this event. They had picked some of the best weapons in their possession. Luckily, they could add some of the intruder's gear from days before. Those bastards had worn fine chainmails and well-protective helmets. The offering was being put on display in front of the Picts. The eldest was pleased by the extensive gifts. You are a generous man, Halad. All generous men are welcome in our lands. Please accept this meal and our goodwill in return, spoke a tiny old man. He had introduced himself as Urat, eldest of the people of Kaif. His eyes looked greedily onto the displayed gifts. His wrinkled hands shook almost imperceptibly. It looked like he had trouble containing himself from grabbing the gifts. Halat cleared his throat. Thank you, Urat. I praise your... Uh, wisdom, but we had hoped our gifts will gain us more than just your goodwill. As I already explained the matter, we are in need of two local scouts. Urad thought about his answer for a moment. Yes, I could provide you with scouts. The two even speak your language very well. But sadly, they are not free men. 
they are how do you say thralls yes they are thralls Urad leaned forward and lowered his voice and thralls do cost silver Urad leaned back again with a smug expression on his face he acted as the negotiation had ended grabbed the wooden bowl and started to eat Harad pinched his own nose bridge I will empty my whole purse on the ground and when this greedy rat bends forward to pick up the silver I will split his skull with my axe. You will do none of these things, Rolf answered calmly. If we ever want to find Jarl Sigurf, we better cooperate with this greedy rat. He means no harm, just wants to make the best profit. I agree, approved Hymir. Without these scouts, we will spend the rest of our days straying the vast mountain ranges and valleys of this land. We need them, Halat. Alright, Halat ate a few mouthful of boar. Then he raised his voice again. Wise Urad, how much silver can compensate the loss of two men? Urad started to smile and spread his arms in a kind gesture. My friend, such profound questions interest me most of all. Later that day, two trakars rode upstream. Heavy rainfall flooded the river. The fast-flowing water made advancing even more demanding. Osmond and Arnie were scooping rainwater out of the ship's hull. Rolf leaned his weight into the rudder at the stern. He listened intensely to Heimer's indistinct instructions which penetrated the curtain of rain. Hymir stood on the front deck shouting at the top of his lungs. Steer towards the center of the river, otherwise we are going to crash into those big rocks ahead. Rolf rejoiced over steering his own boat. It was the vessel they captured from the black strangers. Crossing the sea to Cave, it had proven to be a lightning fast longship. It was a fairly new build and Rolf knew deep within that this ship marked the beginning of his career as a viking. He wanted to be a dreaded sea king. The large elk antlers on top of the ship's figurehead will be famous. Lovingly, he called it Elgur, the elk. His father Ronwald and Hymir had taught him everything about skipping and Rolf felt in charge. Brana took a short glimpse at him while filling a bucket with brown water. Immediately, he felt pleasant energy rising in his body. The rain did not stop and then whole trees came down the river like giant arrows. Halat, on his longship ahead, ordered to leave the torso and find shelter nearby. With combined strength, the men heaved the ships on land. There! Arnie shouted. An old Pictish stone tower! Rolf had already noticed similar ancient towers on the Orkneys, but most of them were mere ruins. This one next to the river seemed still intact. No smoke or other signs of life was to be seen. Rain drenched, the group entered the Borg. That's how they called such a roundhouse. Halat was first to step through the thick walls, his hand firmly on his side, ready to draw his sacks. Nobody was to be seen inside. With a sudden screech, some dark flying creatures left the building. Ah! Little bastard scared me to hell! Arnie exclaimed. At first, it was pitch black, but Hymir accomplished to light a torch. 
They marveled at the sight. The Borg was a multi-story building. The floors were made of wooden planks that were still mostly intact. Over a stairway between the outer double walls, the higher stories could be reached. The first floor appeared to be a room for cooking and gathering. Brana instantly started to prepare ingredients for a warm meal. Rolf looked at her longingly. She smiled. Would you like to help me? Like an arrow leaving the string, Osmond, who stood next to Rolf, answered. Anytime, my dear. He made a step forward, but was yanked backward by Rolf's firm grip on his tunic. Nah, nah, I'm sure she meant me, Osmond. You may both help me. We have a lot of hungry mouths to feed. Brana interrupted the two young men before they could raise a quarrel. Hymir shook his head and went after Harald to explore the rest of the Borg. Rotting like elk, Elgur indeed. The flame of the fire was fanned in no time. Then the two soaked friends helped Brana cooking grain and some fish. While preparing, Rolf intentionally touched Brana's hands a few times. He was already lost for her. After a lush meal and warming by the fire pit, the group looked for places to sleep. There were a lot of separated rooms in the hollow walls, perfect for resting. Amongst so many men, Rolf found it hard to find sleep. He still heard the battle cries from nights before. After a while of unsuccessfully finding a comfortable position, he got up and headed upstairs to the roof. The wooden roof had some big holes where Rolf could see patches of dark sky and falling raindrops. He observed the spectacle for a while and did not become aware of the shadow that sneaked up from behind. Suddenly a warm hand touched his arm. He almost shouted out loudly. Who dares to? He whispered in the dark. It's me, Brana's voice came back. Damn, I almost wet myself. Me too she said with a broad grin. All right, you get right to it. He smiled and touched her arm as well. While their eyes met in a love-struck gaze, they almost tripped over a beam from the moldering roofing. They bursted into a short laughter. Then their eyes met again while their faces slowly came closer. Finally, Rolf pressed his lips on hers. Brana returned to kiss full-heartedly. With a tight grip, he embraced her waist. The weather had cleared overnight. Halad was standing right outside the Borg when Rolf joined him. Good morning, little brother. Did you sleep well? 
asked Halad with a smirk. Shut up! This is none of your business to know, answered Rolf. Maybe not, but it is my business to get us going. See to it that your crew is aboard ship fast. Rolf looked at his ship Elgor. There it laid in the mud, fierce and horridly beautiful. He laid a hand on Halad's shoulder. I'm a happy man, Halad. If only Ivar could see us now. A brief expression of sadness flashed over Halad's face. I miss him too, he admitted. Right at this moment, a drakkar rode around the river bend 200 steps further upstream. Shouts became audible. Then another ship appeared. Loud sounds of a horn called. Then two more appeared. Sigurd! shouted Halat as soon as he recognized the white planks of Jarl Sigurd's drakkar. By all the gods! Do you see that too, or am I going a bit fuzzy between the ears? Osman stumbled through the doorway. With widened eyes, he watched ship after ship appear. Rolf already counted 28 ships and there were still rowing more down the river. Truly a magnificent sight, isn't it? It's like watching a forest grow right out of the water, Harald commented. Let's greet our uncle appropriately before he mistakes us for some rotting bastard sons of horse. If they let off one volley of arrows, you will get fuzzy between your ears all right. Halat marched resolutely down to the riverbed. He was waving both arms. Then he shouted again. Sigurd! There at the steering oar of his mighty drakkar he stood. Straggle-legged, he lifted his thick muscular right arm to greet. Halad! Get the two ships on the river and follow us! We won't rest until dusk, then we talk! The sight of this large army and their uncle leading them lifted Rolf's and Halad's spirit. They started to scream out their unarticulated joy. The ship's crew didn't wait long with their answer. They joined in a thundering roar. A tingle ran down Rolf's spine. He knew now he belonged to something great. His life would change forever. Before he turned away to summon his crew, he caught a glimpse of a lean man on the drakkar right behind Sigurds. Rolf stopped dead in his track to gaze at this appearance of a man. His long red hair was tied with golden rings on top of his head, then fell back down passing his shoulders. His countless golden arm rings reflected the rising morning sun. His friendly face exuded calm superiority. He must have been around 30 years old, Rolf estimated. Move, man! We have some work to do until we're sailing right after this lovely parade, Halad prompted. Their fleet sailed along the shores. By dusk, they stopped in a sheltered bay. Jarl Sigurd was standing on the shore and barked loud orders to every skipper arriving. They beached the ships in a surprisingly ordered manner. With great effort, Rolf and his crew placed Elgur between two other drakkars in a line. The line formed one side of a rectangle-shaped barricade. Already large amount of warriors were wrapped up in pitching their tents, unloading goods from the ships and making fire. Rolf involved himself, working until an envoy invited Halad and him to join Sigurf. The envoy led them across the camp to a large tent. Jarl Sigurf embraced them, then thundered. Welcome, Halad! Rolf! This is Thorstein Olafsson. 
Rolf recognized him instantly as the wealthy man he saw this morning on one of the drakars. I welcome you as well. The kin of my allies shall be my allies. Besides, I know of your father Ronbald. You surely inherited his courage and loyalty. Rolf bowed his head. From the corner of his eye, he saw Hallad gesturing the same respectful nod. Please, sit and drink with us. Thorstein's voice sounded smooth and sophisticated. Jarl Sigurf, Hallad and Rolf sat themselves at the richly laid table. It was a surprise finding you two so far away from your home, Sigurd commented. Please eat, drink, and then tell us how we came to find us in your company. Long story short, Fadir wanted us to support you in your reign in Orkneyinga. You were not there, so he came to find you. And we encountered around 65 intruders on Orkneyingar. They were dark-skinned and very concealed. Rolf complimented Halat's remarks. Black strangers. Yes, they are a plague, answered Thorstein. My father, Olaf Guthrifsson, former king of Dublin and ruler over Westfold, all honored to his name, tried to negotiate a lasting peace with them. But they broke their agreement every single time. It might be because they are descendants from nothing but dogs. Tomorrow morning, Jarl Sigurf will send two ships' crew back to Orkneyingar. Sigurf nodded agreeingly and sent his envoy away with a quick hand signal. Thorstein continued. We cannot afford to lose Orkneyingar. This would not subserve our mutual plan. We will engage in quite a difficult undertaking in the next couple of days. Jarl Sigurf and I are going to get rid of our biggest rival Kausantin. One wouldn't think a man with such a ridiculous name could be such a fierce enemy. Soon we will crush him once and for all. And you, Rolf, made it all possible. Rolf couldn't believe what he just heard. Me? What did I do? You made a friend who is very influential. He is the brother of the King of Jorvik, and he himself is the King of Denmark. Siegfried. The truth dawned slowly upon Rolf. Yes, Siegfried. Apparently, you made quite the impression on him. He now regards your whole family, including your uncle, as his friendly acquaintances, for a lack of a better word. His goodwill must have infected his brother, Halfdan Ragnarsson. Although Halfdan and I are bitter enemies, he has offered me a very lucrative cooperation agreement. You must know, ever since Halfdan's brother Imar was killed while being king of Dublin, Halfdan himself is claiming the crown now. But there is only one true heir to the throne. You, my friends, are right now hearing him speak. Thorstein paused his speech and looked for a moment at every dinner guest. Rolf felt as if Thorstein challenged anybody to speak up and defy his claims. Nobody said a word. As matters stand, Halfdan campaigns against Kausantin. They are stuck in a standoff. While Halfdan camps south of the river Forth, Kausantin fortified its northern shore. 
Neither side will risk the river crossing. Your uncle and I now get the formidable chance to tip the scale to our liking. Thorstein allowed Sigurd to speak. And our liking is to grind Kausantin to powder. We will enslave his people, steal his treasures, oppress his noblemen. We will squeeze Talyata until the last piece of silver changed into our hands. Rolf listened attentively. Dalyata? Dalyatans, Rolf. Kausantin is their king. For Harald and you, it will mean revenging Ivar. Thorstein lifted his cup. Skull! Skull! They answered. On the second day on sea, Sigurf proclaimed to see the river that led to Kausantin's headquarters. He knew this area well from earlier trading expeditions to Jorvik. His longship steered towards the river Tai. Kausantin's encampment was to the south of the settlement Perth. There was no royal enemy fleet or someone else who dared to stop the Viking ships in their track. On the northern bank near Perth they made landfall. As previously agreed upon, they built a large camp in view of Perth, ready to move against Kausantin's capital, Scone. Rolf could only marvel at the ingenious plan Thorstein and Jarl Sigurf had developed. He and his crew tried to get some rest before the great gambit. At midnight, most of the ships were ready to cross the river in total darkness. Rolf wished Brana goodbye. He felt an urge to stay behind with his love, but the lust for adventure was bigger. Come now, Rolf, Thorstein demanded. It is time to spring the trap. Rolf nodded and boarded his ship. He admired Thorstein's sense of tactics. The whole day he had been wearing a blindfold. He took it off as soon as the night settled. His eyes were so used to the darkness that he could see clear enough to guide his ship across the river and then to safely lead the troops further south on the landway. Rolf's men were firmly holding on to their oars. They had tied all the boats together. Thorstein's vessel was the first in line that glided quietly across the stream. Brenda!